saying a couple of weeks ago, it was fall break. And so Lisa and I, we loaded up the girls in the minivan and we were heading down to the beach. And as we were driving, there was kind of this hum on our cars, you know, and I'm like, oh God, please help us not to have car trouble. Please help us to get there. I hate having car trouble and any of that. So I'm just praying the whole time, you know, and just kind of driving along, driving along, but everything was running fine. So I thought, okay, no worries, no problem. So we get down to the beach and it's a great time. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And we're one of those families that kind of likes to save the best for the last day. Anybody else? You know, like we kind of have best of last day. So we try out a couple of things the first couple of days, but then the last day is like best of, right? You know, and so, so we were getting ready for best of last day and, and the, the hum on the car kept getting louder, you know, and so we're driving along and Lisa's like, do you hear that? And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, what? You know, no, it's fine. It's, you know, cause I know, right? This is going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of time. And I don't want to do that. We're down at the beach. It's vacation. Let's just get away. And I'm praying the whole time. God, just get us back to, you know, Franklin and Nashville. I'll get it fixed there. It just keeps coming, right? And so we're driving along and it gets louder. So the day before the last day, right? Best of last day coming when we're going to, you know, do bikes and play in the ocean, in the pool. Best of last day coming. But the day before best of last day, it's getting really loud, right? So we're driving along, you know, and people are looking at us and I'm waving. And Lisa's like, I'm just embarrassing, you know. I mean, you need to deal with this. You got to you know, do something about this. I'm like, oh, okay. I was just hoping we could make it home. I was hoping we were getting buy. I mean, I hate car repairs. I hate all that stuff. But so I get online, I look up and I find this beach auto repair. I'm like, okay, you know, Hey, it's not far away. So says it opens at 7:30 AM. So next day, best of last day, supposed to be the highlight, you know, the big thing we're going to do, but I get in the car early, you know, they're still asleep and I drive over. I get there at 7:30. I'm waiting at the auto repair shop at 7:30 AM. Of course, they don't show up till eight o'clock. That's okay. You know, so here I am and I'm here and the guy goes, what's wrong with your car? And I go, it has this kind of sound. And he goes, well, can you turn it on? And sure enough, I turn it on and and he goes like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, I knew I was right. You know, but here you go. So I said, well, I don't know what it is. And he said, well, then we'll figure it out. So they take it in the back and I'm out front and I'm thinking, okay, just hope this not to be long. You know, just some little belt thing. They can fix it. And I'm out and I'm back on best of last day. It's coming. It's gonna be awesome. And they come back and they say, well, we got some good news and some bad news. I'm like, oh, all right, well, what's the good news? And they go, well, the good news is we can fix it. And I go, oh, that's great, great, great. All right, what's the bad news? And they said, well, it's going to take about five and a half hours and it's going to cost you $500. You know, I'm like, oh, great, great, great. So I get on the phone, I call Lisa and the girls and say, well, Y'all have a fun best of last day. You know, I'm going to hang out here in the waiting room and you guys, and they're like, okay, we'll see you. (laughs) So they take off. Like, I think they miss me, but they went down to play on the beach and I'm sitting there and I'm in the waiting room at this, you know, repair shop and I'm just having a pity party. All right. I mean, you know, they've got Good Morning America on way too loud. It's in there and it's just blaring. And I'm sitting there going, this is the last day. Can you believe this? And it's beautiful outside. And here I am sitting here and, and I can't believe this. Five and a half hours, $500. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm usually not real mopey, but I was kind of mopey right then. And I was thinking, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. And finally, after about an hour of being mopey in my pity party, I just went outside and I thought, well, I'll, you know, I might as well hang outside in the parking lot instead of Good Morning America. So I'm walking up and down outside. And while I'm walking, the power of the Holy Spirit just came, you know, Every, I mean, the Holy Spirit just shows up, right? The Holy Spirit came and just stopped me right where I was. And the Holy Spirit just said, look up. 
And so I just looked up, and I was right there in the parking lot. And the Holy Spirit just said, do you realize all the things you have to be thankful for? I mean, just think about this. Most people in the world don't even have a car. Then think about this. What if this would have happened tomorrow when you're driving back and you rode down the side of the road and you're having to sit there and wait for a tow truck to come and then they tow you and the girls, your little girls, to some backwoods place, you know? I mean, just think if that would, just think if you would have lost, you know, steering and you would have gone off into the ditch or something like that. I mean, just think, and right there in the middle of the parking lot, it was like God just lifted my head and went, whoa, wait a minute. Thank you. Thank you, God. And then I had all this time, right? Because I wasn't going anywhere. So, I mean, I just started having kind of my own little mini worship service. I'm walking along and I'm singing worship songs. I'm praising God, you know, waving to people on the street as they drove by. But it was an awesome time. And I started just thanking God for all the things I had in my life. And I started thanking God for my wife. I was praying for our kids. I started thanking God for you. I was praying for what God's doing at church. I was praying for you and your families and marriages and dating and praying, Father, for just to bless your businesses and your company. And it was an amazing time. It was a time that God just had to jump all over me. And this morning, we're beginning this brand new series called And Be Thankful. And my prayer for you is that it doesn't cost you five and a half hours or $500, you know, but that God would come along today and just lift all of our heads And just say, wow, look up. Look at what I'm doing. And we all have problems. And they're all very real. We all have struggles that we go through. But yet we've got a God who loves us. And we've got a God who is for us. And there is a God who is here today. And inviting us to learn the power of being thankful. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians, it's in the New Testament. I'm excited about this series. So Colossians chapter one, uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. And then you got Acts and Romans, first, second Corinthians. And then you get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. I learned it, go eat popcorn and Coke. And that's so, that kind of helps you memorize where it is. But Colossians, we're going to be in this letter of Colossians today. Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online. Uh, you can also take notes there. We'll put the words on the screen. But the Apostle Paul is writing this short letter, and it's a letter that was written to the church in Colossae, and it's, it's just only four chapters. And they were going to camp out in chapter one, and we're going to hear what God has to say to us. And as the Apostle Paul just challenges us to be thankful, he says in verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Look at verse three, the first four words. We always thank God. Now, I love that, right? The Apostle Paul begins this by being thankful. We always thank God. Now, what's remarkable about this is that the Apostle Paul is writing this from prison. He was in prison in Rome. His first imprisonment. Now, if anybody should be having a pity party, it's probably Paul, right? Because the Apostle Paul is in prison for being a Christ follower, When he gave his life to Christ, he was a Jewish religious leader. He gave his life to Christ and he starts leading other people to Jesus. And the the Jewish religious leaders didn't like that too much. He started saying that the gospel is for the Gentiles, praise God, for all of us, right? That we could know Christ. And so he's thrown in jail, he's thrown in prison. And he could have been sitting there going, God, really? I mean, come on, I'm a good guy. I'm doing great things. Why am I here? But the Apostle Paul looks at his life and he says, wait a minute, I've got some time. (laughs) I can write a letter. I can pray. I can thank God. And you just imagine him worshiping and praising God right there. And he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
When the Apostle Paul brings chapter 1, just dials it in. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. In every chapter, Paul is thankful. But in chapter 1, he just focuses on Jesus Christ. Now, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. Christ literally means Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, the one that we were waiting for, the one has come, and he is here. When we pray for you, and I love that. See, the Apostle Paul just took the time to pray for the church and pray for what was going on in people's lives because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. That reminds me of what God's doing here at Rolling Hills, right? Just the faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the love we have for each other, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that you've already heard about it in the word of truth. The gospel that has come to you. All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard. And understood God's grace in all its truth. Do you realize what God's doing here in our lives? And the way God is growing us. But God is at work all over the world. And today, throughout the world, there are people who are literally walking an hour or two hours or three hours or four hours just to get to church. Just to have fellowship, to be able to sing songs of praise, to be able to study the word. People want to be a part of what God's doing. There are churches meeting around the world. That today, that the government officials could come in at any moment and take the people out. And they would go to prison for their faith. And the Apostle Paul's going, church, be encouraged. And I'm praying for you because the gospel is growing in you. And God is at work in you. And it is worth worshiping him. He says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told of your love in the Spirit. Now, Epaphras was a guy who came when the Apostle Paul was preaching at Ephesus. And Epaphras came there and he heard about Jesus. And he responded, you know, as God was drawn into himself. And Epaphras gave his life to Christ. He went back to his hometown of Colossae and he started telling his family and his friends and leading other people to Jesus. And they planted a church. And so now Paul, who's kind of his spiritual father, is in prison. Epaphras goes to check on Paul, to minister to him while he's in prison. And while he's there, Paul writes this letter and says, hey, take it back with you to the church. Go encourage the church. So Epaphras has the letter and he heads back to the church. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now that's my hope and prayer for all of us. My hope and prayer for me that we would live a life worthy of the Lord. And that we would please him in every way. Right? Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Notice that. So that you in your life, that you would joyfully give thanks to the Father. And I just wonder in all of our lives, you know, did we respond to God with joy? Do we, do we have a thankful heart? Is thanksgiving always on our hearts and on our lips? Are we responding to him that way? That's God's desire for us. Because we're giving thanks to him who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the apostle Paul just gives God the glory for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ. Then he says three things about Jesus. Right? He just focuses on Jesus. The first is this. He talks about the supremacy of Christ. 
the supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, I love that. He is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Study God's word. Look at Jesus. Jesus was the visible God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now think about that for a moment. All things were created by him and for him. So what does that mean? That means you were created by God. You were created by God. I love Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But you know that word workmanship? In the Greek, it literally means masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. Now, you may not think of yourself like that. You know, you may look in the mirror and we always see our flaws and we see our mistakes and we always look at our past. But you were created by God. You're not an accident that God made you just the way you are and he loves you. You were created by him and you were created for him. See, you were created for a relationship with God. And life makes sense when we have this relationship with God, when we're growing in this relationship with God. And so the Apostle Paul says that we would learn to be thankful to God. You know, sitting in that auto repair shop and I'm sitting there for five and a half hours, right? But you know what? I mean, that's what dads do, right? I mean, they take the van in. That, that's me. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and there's times when we have problems and struggles and we bring those to God and God goes, yeah, bring it to me. I can handle that. I, I'm your daddy. I'm your father. But there's also times as our daddy that he just loves when we just run up to him and we just go, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And if any of you are a dad or you're a mom, you know, your child, I mean, they just out of the blue, just look at you and just go, thank you. Thank you, mommy. Thank you, daddy. You just go, now you're going to do it, whether they say thank you or not, right? Because that's what you do. That's just who you are. But, but you understand that they love you and they appreciate you. Man, it just does something for you. You were created by God. You were created for God. And when you and I respond with a grateful heart, I just think God's heart goes, yeah. I'm going to do it anyway because I love you. I'm your daddy. That's what I do. But thank you for saying thank you. You know, it just means something. And the supremacy of Christ. And he says, you know, you were created by him and for him. He is before all things. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy That God is sovereign over all. That Jesus is the ruler over all. Anything that we face, the hardships and the struggles and the difficulties, we understand they're very real. But we also understand that God is greater. (laughs) That God reigns supreme over all things. Then we look at the sufficiency of Christ. The supremacy of Christ, but then the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice that all things, things in heaven and things in earth, things that we go through every day. The apostle Paul was was suffering. He had a thorn in the flesh and he prayed three times. God, take this thorn away, take this thorn away. And God never took it away. And he finally heard the Lord say this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
And the Apostle Paul goes, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe this is from God. Maybe there's a greater plan. Maybe there's a greater purpose, even in this hardship and this difficulty that I'm dealing with. God, you are sufficient for me. You're enough for me. You're enough. Your grace is made perfect, even in my weakness. And then we see the salvation of Christ. The salvation of Christ. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. And that's so true, isn't it? I mean, holy God, and then you have sinful man. And we've all made mistakes. I mean, you look at our past, we've all blown it. I mean, that's not a newsflash to anybody here today. I mean, not to me or anybody else. I mean, we've all made mistakes. Holy God, sinful man. We were alienated from God. Sin does not exist in the presence of God. We, we can't get there. The holy God. We were alienated from him. But praise God, it keeps going. It says, because of our evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Thank you, God. That when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God sent his son Jesus, who lived 33 sinless years, who died on a cross, his death in order to reconcile us, to bring us together. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. I mean, it's, we're going to die. It's, it's us. The price has to be paid. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus came and reconciled you. He reconciled me. And now when God looks at us, he doesn't see all the mistakes that we've made. He doesn't see all the sins that we've committed. What does he do? He looks at us and he sees Jesus. That the price has been paid. That we were without blemish and free from accusation. Oh, he says this, if you continue, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So now the Apostle Paul comes in, he says, listen, the power of being thankful in Christ, the power of being thankful in Christ changes everything in your life. Number one, he says this, you start seeing your sufferings in a different way. You're seeing your sufferings in a different way. Did you notice the Apostle Paul says, I rejoice in what was suffered. And you're thinking, ah, how does that happen? I don't know many of us who go, woohoo, God, I'm going through a really hard time right now. <laughs> it's just difficult. Thank you, God. But there was something different about Paul. There was something different about the way he started to see this and going, you know what? I'm going to go through difficult times. All of us are, right? We live in a fallen world. When God created a perfect world, and then sin came in, and, and sin ruined that perfect world. We live in a broken world. Now, one day, Jesus is going to come back and say, enough, enough pain, enough suffering. And we will go to a place where it is perfect. The Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from our eye. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we, we are in a place of suffering. We're in a place of difficulties. And yet Paul says, I rejoice. I rejoice. How do you do that? Well, James says that this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kind, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its works so that you become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. See, none of us like to go through difficult times. And yet it's in the difficulties and the challenges where our faith grows. 
It's in the difficulties and the challenges that we have to depend on God. It's in the challenges and the difficulties that we grow more like Christ. None of us like it, but it's true, right? I bet if you look back at your life, I bet if you look back at some of the hard things that you went through, you could probably say, I've never been closer to God than when I was going through this. I've never felt God's presence so deeply as when I was going through this. That God was holding me. That God was with me. And I think the Apostle Paul sitting there in prison going, you know what? God's not done with me. I still have breath in my lungs. God's going to deliver me somehow, some way. But in the meantime, in the waiting, God has a plan and a purpose here. And suffering builds our character. It, it just does. You know, if you like to run or you like to lift weights or you like to work out, you've got to keep putting more resistance that's the only way you get stronger. That's the only way you get better. And yet in life, you know, we kind of want to settle for the comfortable life. We kind of sit back and go, I want to just go to the easy chair. What do we do? We waste away. It's when we kind of get out and push ourselves and grow. And spiritually, those times are going to come. And maybe today you're in one of those times. Maybe today, I mean, just physically, I mean, it's a difficult time in life. Maybe relationally it's hard. Maybe financially it's hard or it's difficult. But listen, God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't. And he is with you. Hold on to him. Just hold on to him with everything you have. Suffering also, it draws us more into the likeness of Christ. You think about all that Christ endured. You think about all that Jesus went through. You think about all that Jesus endured for you and for me. Going to the cross. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. You will. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I'm with you even in the midst of those times. The suffering also builds his church. You know, he said this, he said, hey, I'm in the midst of this suffering, but I'm doing it for the sake of the body, which is the church, which is the church. Paul said, I'm going to continue to sacrifice. Now, this is a total different mentality than the Western mentality. You know, the Western Christian mentality is this. What can the church do for me? How can the church make me happy? How can the church, you know, please me? How can the church do this for me? But Paul was saying, what can I do for the church? How can I build the church? How can I bring glory to God and, and do something bigger than me? How can I sacrifice and give to grow God's church? Something happens in the midst of the hard times that we go through. And we can either let those beat us or we can understand that God is at work. That God is growing us and God is shaping us. Now what does it mean here? Because this is kind of a difficult passage where it says... He says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Well, what does that mean? What was lacking in Christ? I mean, was there anything lacking? No, there wasn't anything lacking when it comes to salvation. But God's plan and God's purpose is big, and God is at work through you and through me. Here's what John Piper says about this, and, and I love this. He says, Christ's cross was for propitiation, ours for propagation. Christ suffered to accomplish salvation. We suffered to spread salvation. What does that mean? That means that when Christ died, he died for all. That you and I have eternal life when we ask Christ into our hearts as God draws us to himself. But that you and I then have the ministry of serving others. And as believers, when we go through difficult times, we have the opportunity to help those around us who don't even know Christ to understand that there's a greater purpose and a greater value. I was talking to a guy in our church, and he's just one of the most godly men I know. He's a, he's a leader in our church. 
And he was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And he's been walking through treatments after treatment after treatment. And I was with him the other day and I said, you know, hey, let's just pray together and, and what's going on. And he said, Jeff, listen. He said, I wouldn't trade my cancer. I go, whoa. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I wouldn't. He said, I've known God in a deeper way than ever before through this cancer. And he said, and I've been able to minister to so many other people who've gone through this. He goes, people at work. And he started naming off people at work to have come to his office and closed the door and said, hey, I just got this diagnosis. And he sat down. And he's had these conversations with them. He goes, people at church. He said, people in the neighborhood. He said, I've met so many people. I've been able to walk with them and talk to them about Jesus. And it's been an amazing time. He said, I wouldn't trade it. He goes, has it been easy? No. Has it been difficult? Yes. But, but I wouldn't trade it. And I just went, Wow. Wow, there's something that God is doing in all of our lives. And so many times we're just focused so intently on on that problem or that issue. And God today just wants to kind of lift our head and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm still with you. And I love you so much that I sent my son for you. I believe in you. He keeps going to say, hey, I want you to live in Christ. In verse 25, he said, for the church, I have become a servant. By the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the saints, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean, mystery? You know, what's he talking about, the mystery? Well, if you go back into the Old Testament, and think about this, this is, this is incredible to me. But back in the Old Testament, I mean, people wanted to know God, right? Every civilization that's ever existed has had some form of worship. Everybody has always wanted to know God. How do I get to God? How do I get to God? Well, back in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the tabernacle or God dealt in the temple. So if you wanted to meet God, you packed up the family, you know, you got on the donkey and you headed off to Jerusalem. or You headed off to where the tabernacle or the temple was. That's where you met God. You come into the New Testament, in the Gospels, and what happens? All the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. So you want to meet God? You go find Jesus. You go up to the Sea of Galilee, you go sit, you listen to him teach, you're around Jesus. You come down to Jerusalem, you're around Jesus. But something incredible happens in the book of Acts. Jesus ascends into heaven, and he says, one greater than I will come. And the book of Acts opens with the disciples gathered together, these believers, these men and women, about 120 at the time, and the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit falls and descends on every one of them. What does that mean? That means Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now you and I can stand in the beach auto repair shop and we can worship God. You and I can be in prison or you and I can be at home with our family or we can be right here gathered together. Praise be to God. And he goes, here's the mystery that everybody has wanted to know and now has been revealed to you. And that you and I can say, thank you, God, that we live in this day and this time, that we're disciples, that Christ is in us and that Christ is with us. In the good times and the tough times, That he hasn't left us. And then there's a purpose for our lives that we proclaim him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, Paul says, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. The apostle Paul says, hey, this is the purpose of my life. To proclaim Christ. To let people know that there is a Lord, God Almighty, who loves them so much that he sent his one and only son. I'm proclaiming Christ struggling with all his energy that so powerfully works in me. 
If you're a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, or if you have a workplace or you're, you know, just in life, that you and I understand to teach and to proclaim and to love people. That's the call of God. And we do that in the good times and we do that in the hard times. But all the while we keep our eyes on Jesus. For the Apostle Paul, listen, it was about perspective, right? It was about perspective. And so often our perspective is, is our problems and they're just right up in our face and our struggles. And it's so true, isn't it? It's like when you're looking at a tree and you're just, you know, you're looking at it and you're so close to it. And all you can see is you can see the bark and it's broken and it's ugly. And you're like, ah, what is this? This is dead. And it's, there's nothing there. And, and the insects, and yet you take a step back and your perspective begins to change. And you go, wait a minute, there, there's leaves and there's life. And there's something happening here that, that's bigger than just the brokenness that I was seeing before. And you take another step back and, and you start to see even bigger what God's doing and the plan that's unfolding and the roots and the branches. And, and then you take one more step back and you see all of creation. You're like, whoa, wow, wait a minute. There is something way bigger than me here. And God is at work and there's worship for the God of all creation And so often we focus on what has been done to us and we forget what has been done for us. And what has been done for us is that the King of Kings sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, that you and I don't have to spend eternity away from him. That Jesus Christ has come for you and for me to lift our heads and to focus our eyes and to say, I love you. The name Michael Mansour may not mean much to you, but it sure means a lot to six of his Navy SEAL buddies who, in Iraq on September 29, 2006, when an Iraqi insurgent threw a grenade in the middle of these seven Navy SEALs, and Michael Mansour, instead of running away from the grenade, turned and ran toward the grenade and threw his body on the grenade. And as the grenade exploded, Michael Mansour was killed instantly, but all six of his buddies walked away unharmed. And every one of those guys will tell you to this day, I am thankful every day for the life of Michael Mansour. As a believer, every day we wake up and say, I'm thankful every day for the life of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I was dead in my sins and my transgressions, but now I am made alive in him. That Christ, even when I was an enemy of his, he threw his life down for me. And yes, my problems are real. And yes, my struggles are real. And yes, it's difficult and it's challenging in this world. But I know one day, all this is going to be gone. And but for now, I'm going to live with a thankful heart. But for now, I'm going to ask God to raise my eyes above the things that I see. And to focus on a God who loves me more than I could ever dream or ever imagine. God is for me. And God is for you. I don't know where you are today. But maybe spiritually it's a day that you come alive. Maybe spiritually it's a day when you say, you know what? I've been trying to do it myself and I'm not getting anywhere. And today I'm just saying, yes, God, I receive the gift that you've given. God, I'm yours. Or maybe today it's a day to say, God, just lift my head. Please lift my head. And help me in my heart to be thankful. In the midst of everything else, just be thankful. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And the only reason we do this is just to block out the things that are around us so that we can concentrate on God, that we can see God, that we can hear from Him. Maybe this morning you just want to say thank you, God. 
It's been a long time since you've said thank you. (laughs) We bring our problems and our struggles, but this morning, just God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, for hope, for life, for eternity. Maybe this morning is a day of salvation and just saying, God, I want you in my life. I want to follow you. I want to be baptized. I want to serve you. Maybe today it's just open hands. God, here's my life. The good and the bad. But I give it to you. So Father, thank you that you're here this morning. God, we sense your presence. Oh, we do. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who has made us alive. When we were dead, when we had no hope or no help, and God, you came to us. Thank you, Father. May the power of the gospel never grow old to us. May it always day, daily bring life and joy into our hearts. Because the God of the universe made me and loves me. Thank you for Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.